Go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, that's where we're going to be this morning in God's Word. Uh, I love baptism. Uh, I love what we see uh, in water baptism. But I want to tell you something. Uh, There's nothing magical about that water. Uh, It's water baptism. It is a step of obedience. You see, what happens first is what I like to call a baptism of repentance. Uh, And that happens in an individual's heart. That happens uh, in your heart when the Holy Spirit is stirring you uh, to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You're convicted of your sinfulness. And so a baptism of repentance takes place first. And then a baptism of the Spirit takes place. When you say yes to Jesus, you are baptized by the Holy Spirit of God. You are indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. And then you step forward in obedience and you go, to, go through what is called a baptism of water. And that's what we saw this morning. Uh, two young believers who have confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior uh, through repentance. Uh, they have embraced Him uh, as their Lord and their Savior. And they step forward with obedience. And they're going to continue to grow in their faith as they dig into God. God's Word and as they are mentored and taught by other believers. And this morning we get to see John the Baptist. He was one who came and preached a baptism of repentance. He's one that came and preached all about Jesus Christ. He pointed others to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But we're also going to be introduced to another man, um, a man who rejected Jesus Christ, a man who rejected repentance, a man who rejected uh, baptism. And his name Herod. Today we're going to see a picture of what I like to call pride and destruction. Now when I think of pride, I can think of one passage of scripture that that sums it up better than I ever could, and that is found in Proverbs chapter 16. You don't have to turn there, just listen, it'll be on the screen. Proverbs 16 verses 18 through 20 says this, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Better to be lowly in spirit along with the oppressed than to share plunder with the proud. Whoever gives heed to instruction prospers, and blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. One of my favorite pastors uh, that I like to listen to, that I like to read, uh, is Pastor Matt Capps. And he says this about pride. He says, pride is the sin beneath every other sin Because at its core, pride is self-worship. Look at that again. Pride is the sin beneath every other sin. Because at its core, pride is self-worship. You see, in Mark chapter 6, verses 14 through 29, uh, we see the example of a man drowning in his pride. A man in a powerful position. Herod was in a very powerful position But he embraced self. He embraced self-worship. It was all about him. You you see, in Mark 6, what we really see is we see the picture of two kingdoms. That's what I want you to see today. We see the picture of two kingdoms. First of all, we know that the kingdom of God is truth and it leads to life. Uh, In the first five chapters, we have seen John the Baptist preach about the kingdom of God. He's preached a message of repentance of sin and belief in Jesus Christ. We've seen Jesus preach the message of repentance and belief. He has taught that the kingdom of God is all about life, life to the full and life eternal. But there's another kingdom that we're going to see today, and it's a kingdom uh, that we see alive and well today in America. We see it all in our world, and that is the kingdom of man. You see, the kingdom of man is what I like to call counterfeit. The kingdom of man is counterfeit 
And the kingdom of man leads to death. This is the kingdom that Herod embraced in his own life. It's the kingdom that he fought for day in and day out. It is a kingdom that is full of deceit and darkness. It is full of destruction. And I'm going to tell you something. The kingdom of man, it will always lead to death. Two kingdoms. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of man. That's what we're going to see today when we look at John the Baptist and we look at Herod. So I want you to look with me. Mark chapter 6. Hopefully you're already there. Mark chapter 6, we're going to begin in verse 14. Look at what God's Word says. It says, King Herod heard about this. What did he hear about? He heard about Jesus. He heard about the message. He heard about what was going on. King Herod heard about this, for Jesus' name had become well known. Some were saying, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead, and this is why miraculous powers are at work in him. Others said, he is Elijah. And still others claimed he is a prophet, like one of the prophets of long ago. But when Herod heard this, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised from the dead. So let's look at this passage of Scripture closely. First of all, let's talk about Herod. Who was Herod? This is Herod Antipas. That's who we're talking about in this passage of Scripture. Herod Antipas was the son of Herod the Great. He was probably a little more well-known. Herod the Great was the one who tried to kill Jesus as a baby because he heard that a new king was being born and it was a king who would rival his own kingship and his own kingdom. And so Herod the Great had several sons and his sons, after his death, uh, were, were basically split up. They were divided up by the Roman government and they were put in different provinces. So Herod Antipas was recognized as a tetrarch by Rome, and he was the tetrarch of what was known as Galilee. He wasn't really a king, okay? He wasn't a king. He was more like a governor, and even some would say more like a mayor. His power was given to him by Rome. It was the only way. It was the only way he had, quote-unquote, a kingdom or a land. He even tried to petition Rome. This is how full of himself he was. He tried to petition Caesar in Rome, so that he could be called king by everyone. Even Rome would have to call him a king. His own wife, Herodias, said, you should be king and everybody should recognize you as king, so why don't you petition Rome? He petitioned Rome time and time again, and guess what Rome told him? No. (laughs) No, you are a tetrarch. You, You have powers given to you by us, by Rome. And so this man was full of himself. He, everything he did, it was about building his own kingdom. It was about building his own kingdom here on earth. And what we find in this first passage of Scripture is that Herod heard about Jesus. He heard about Jesus. He knew all about what Jesus was doing, but here's the truth. He did not believe in Jesus. He heard about Jesus, but he did not believe in Jesus. Listen, Jesus' message, Jesus' works were well known around Galilee. Mark tells us that. They were well known even beyond the shores of Galilee. And much of this was after John the Baptist had been killed by Herod. So what was going on? I'll tell you what was going on. Herod's conscience. Herod's conscience was beginning to speak. 
It was beginning to speak out loud. Herod, he, he, was getting, he was getting the message, right? He was getting the message, but he wasn't receiving it with his heart. It was all in his mind, and he began to talk to himself. His consciousness began to get the best of him. That's what was happening. So he heard all about Jesus, but he did not believe in Jesus. See, Herod was plagued, and I love that word, plagued. He was plagued by his own sinfulness. How do I know that? Because Herod himself tells us right here in verse 16, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised from the dead. Now this is important from a cultural standpoint. You see, back in this time period, the Jews and those in this area, they believed that if you were resurrected, you brought judgment with you. When you were resurrected, you brought judgment with you. So guess what Herod was thinking? Herod was thinking, the one that I killed is now coming back, and he's going to judge me. That's what he thought. See, he didn't believe that this was Jesus. He believed it was John the Baptist whom he murdered. It was his decision. It was his sinful action. But instead of recognizing Jesus as Messiah, as the one who could save him, as the one who could cleanse him, he chose to believe that it was the resurrected John the Baptist. And it would have been easy for him to, to cast the guilt, right? To cast his conscience, to cast his actions on someone else. He could have said, well, it was her fault. Didn't Adam try that in the garden? It's her fault. He could have done that. He could have pointed to Herodias and said, she made me do it. He could have even pointed to Salome, his stepdaughter slash niece, and said, well, it was her fault because she asked for it. But no, Mark makes it very clear in this passage that Herod took ownership of his own action. Herod chose to build his own kingdom. He chose to puff up in his own power and his own pride, and it led to destruction. Mark takes us back. He takes us back to those actions, to those choices in this next passage. Now, this is a rather lengthy passage, but I've got to read it all in context for you. Because what we're seeing is we're seeing John the Baptist has already been beheaded. And Jesus is beginning to rise in in popularity. People are are talking about Jesus. They're talking about his message. They're talking about his works. Probably more so they're talking about his works, his miracles, because people were fascinated by the miracles of Jesus. Many times they actually looked at the miracles of Jesus and didn't pay any attention to the message. And Jesus said, I came to preach. That's what I came to do. I came to preach a message of repentance and belief. Why did he do that? Because he wanted people to embrace the kingdom of God rather than the kingdom of man. And so this first passage is Herod. He knows what he's done. John the Baptist is dead, but now Herod, instead of choosing to see Jesus Christ, and instead of choosing to hear the message of Jesus Christ, he he says, no, it's John the Baptist, and he's come to judge me. And so Herod is thinking, and Mark takes us back to those moments when John the Baptist was alive and Herod had him. Listen to what it says beginning in verse 17. For Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested, and he had him bound and put in prison. He did this because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, whom he had married. For John had been saying to Herod, don't don't miss this, it says John had been saying, That means John never let up with his message of sinfulness and repentance. For John had been saying to Herod, It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. 
So Herodias, here she is, so Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him, but she was not able to because Herod feared John and protected him, knowing him, look at this, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man. When Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to listen to him. Finally, the opportune time came. On his birthday, Herod gave a banquet for his high officials and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. When the daughter of Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his dinner guests. The king said to the girl, ask me for anything you want and I'll give it to you. And he promised her with an oath, whatever you ask, I will give you up to half my kingdom. Notice he used the word my, right? My kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, what shall I ask for? The head of John the Baptist, she answered. At once the girl hurried into the king with the request, I want you to give me right now the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was greatly distressed. Why do you think he was distressed? Well, we already know. He kind of liked John. He was puzzled by John's words. And I'm going to tell you something. It wasn't enough to be puzzled and entertained. I believe he was entertained by John, even though John was giving him a, a pretty harsh word and a pretty harsh message. It says, The king was greatly distressed, but because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he did not want to refuse her. So he immediately sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. The man went, beheaded John in the prison, and brought back his head on a platter. He presented it to the girl, and she gave it to her mother. On hearing of this, John's disciples came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. Pretty, pretty grim passage of Scripture, pretty dark passage of Scripture. But let me tell you why it's grim, and let me tell you why it's dark. It's because of the heart of a man who built his kingdom himself. It's because the heart of a man who was more in tune with self-worship rather than worshiping the God of all creation. See, John called out Herod's sinfulness. That's what he did. But I want you to see this. John called out Herod's sinfulness with repentance in full view. I'm going to tell you something. John didn't pick sides as far as people is concerned. John was the spokesman of God, and he pointed people to Jesus Christ, and he pointed people to the kingdom of God, and I believe John wanted what God wanted. And you know what God wants? The Bible tells us that God wants everyone to come to salvation. God wants everyone to know Him and love Him and be loved by Him. That's what God wants. God wants all to be saved. And I believe John the Baptist knew that, and John the Baptist preached that way. He preached a message of salvation. He called out Herod's sinfulness. That's difficult, especially in this day and age, isn't it? It's difficult to call out sinfulness, but that's what John the Baptist did. But he didn't do it with hatred in his heart. He did it with love in his heart because he wanted to see repentance. His message was all about repentance and baptism of repentance. Theologians tell us that when you look at this scene from each of the Gospels, so when you look at Matthew's perspective and Mark's perspective and Luke's perspective and John's perspective, we, we see John the Baptist, he calls out Herod both publicly and privately. Publicly and privately. 
But John, his message was always about repentance of sin. It was always about a baptism of repentance because he knew that baptism of repentance led to faith in Jesus Christ and it led to the kingdom of God and it led to life full and eternal. And what we know in this passage of Scripture is that Herod was guilty. According to law, the law of Moses, right? The law that was given to us by God, Herod was guilty. What was he guilty of? He was guilty of adultery and bigamy. What did Herod Antipas do? Herod Antipas divorced his own wife before he married Herodias. He also led Herodias to divorce her husband, who happened to be his brother Philip. And so, not only did they both get divorced so that they could marry each other, but they did so in bigamy. This can be found in the law of Moses, Leviticus chapter 18, Leviticus chapter 20. The word is very specific. Herod chose to live in sin. He chose to gloat in sin. He chose to publicly display his sinfulness. He was building his own kingdom, a man-made kingdom. And John called him out. John called him out because of his sinfulness, but John pointed him to repentance. And so what did Herod do? Herod imprisoned John. That's what we see in this passage of Scripture. He imprisoned John, but he also protected John. Did you see that? Do you know why he put him in prison? Because he knew his wife had had enough. And he knew what his wife wanted. She wanted John the Baptist dead. And so Herod put him in prison. And the Bible says Herod protected him. Why? Because Herodias, as Mark tells us, nursed a grudge. What does that mean to nurse? That means to keep on feeding it, right? To keep on feeding it. And she kept on and kept on feeding this grudge until it led to the point where she had had enough and she wanted him dead. However, whose kingdom was this? Herod made sure you knew whose kingdom. What, what, what did he say? He said, I'll, he told Salome, his, his stepdaughter slash niece, I'll give you up to half of whose kingdom? My kingdom. And, and, and so Herodias had a problem. This wasn't her little man-made kingdom, was it? It was Herod's little man-made kingdom. And so Herodias couldn't just do whatever she wanted. But the opportune time came. See, Herod, Mark tells us, Herod feared John. And I, that, that always intrigued me. I, I've read this passage of Scripture many, many times. It, it said that Herod feared John. Why did he fear John? Mark makes it very clear. He feared John because he knew. Don't miss this. Herod knew. He knew with his head who John was. What did he say about John? He was a righteous man and a what? Holy man. I'm, I'm going to tell you something about Herod. He knew about the things of God. He knew all about the kingdom of God. He had heard with his ears and he had thought about it with his mind. But I'm going to tell you something. It's not enough just to think about it, is it? I'm going to tell you something. You can read this Bible every day. You can read it front to back, cover to cover, five times a year. You can do all of those things. And if all you do is think about it, I'm going to tell you something. It's not enough. It's not enough just to think about it. You have to respond to it. You have to embrace it, not just with your mind, but with your heart. And I'm going to tell you something about the heart. Guess what King Solomon says about the heart? He says, everything you what? Do flows from your heart. The core of who you are. So Herod feared John because he knew he was righteous. He knew he was a holy man. He knew all about 
the, the, the kingdom of God and he, he thought about it. But he didn't make a decision to surrender to it. You see, he didn't embrace the kingdom of God. You want to know why? Because he had his hands all over his own kingdom. His man-made kingdom. Herod, what he did in this passage of Scripture, is very plain and simple. He chose pride over piousness. He chose pride over piousness. Mark tells us that Herod gave himself a birthday party. Imagine that. Right? He gave himself a birthday party. He didn't wait for you to plan it. <laughs> he didn't wait for Herodias to plan He didn't wait for somebody else to plan it. He said, you know what? I'm going to have a birthday party, and I'm going to invite whoever I want to invite. Well, guess who he invited? He invited all the high officials, all the military commanders. The Bible says he, he invited the leading men of Galilee to his party. Not only that, I love this Dr. Daniel Aiken. He tells us something very interesting about throwing yourself a birthday party in Jewish culture. Listen to this. Dr. Daniel Aiken tells us in his commentary, Jews at this time viewed birthday parties as pagan celebrations. Herod, however, did not care at this point. He was all about self. See, this is, in my opinion, this is pride on full display. This is a public demonstration of pride, self-worship. That's what Herod was all about. Not only that, not only did he give himself a birthday party, because I'm pretty sure there was a lot of food, there was a lot of drink, there was a lot of music. Not only that, he had his stepdaughter slash niece come out and dance seductively for him and his guests. Now this was not uncommon as far as having a young woman come out and dance. But what was uncommon is that it would not have been royalty. It would not have been a daughter of quote-unquote a king. It would not have even been a relative of a king. It would have been someone else. And so he's full of himself. He's full of his own kingdom. He's got his hands all over it. He's promoting himself. He's promoting himself to his kingdom as the king of his kingdom. And now he stoops as, 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 as low as he can get, really. And the Bible says that he was pleased with his stepdaughter, pleased with his niece, dancing seductively in front of him and his guests. And so guess what happens? You remember what I read in Proverbs earlier, right? Pride goes before what? Destruction. Right? A haughty spirit, a haughty spirit goes before what? A fall. So you think it can't get any worse. He's throwing his own birthday party. It's a pagan celebration. He's got his stepdaughter slash niece out here dancing however, very, very seductively, sexually explicit, if you will, flaunting, flaunting his own stepdaughter niece. In front of other men. But it does get worse. Because he's so pleased, what does he do? He says, Salome, what do you want? You can ask me for whatever you want and I'll give you up to half my kingdom. So, he does have limits. <laughs> he does have limits. He's not going to give her all of his kingdom, but he says, you know what, I'll give you up to half of my kingdom. Whatever you want, you ask for it. And, and not only that, he even makes an oath, right? And he doesn't do this behind a curtain or behind a wall with Salome. He does it in front of all of these officials, in front of all of these people. 
And so she goes to talk to Mama. And what do you think Mama was going to say? Mama, he just told me I could have whatever I wanted, up to half the kingdom. Mama, what do you think I should ask for? (laughs) I'm going to tell you what, Mama was full of pride too, wasn't she? Mama was full of self too, wasn't she? Because she didn't care what her daughter wanted. She told her daughter what she wanted. I want John the Baptist's head. I want him dead. And so Salome goes back to Herod and says, I want what I want right now. I want John the Baptist's head on a platter, and I want it right here, right now. (laughs) Burger King, right? My way right away. This has got pride poured all over it. Herod is so full of pride. When you read this passage of Scripture, he's so full of pride that he cares more about his reputation among men. He he cares more about his man-made kingdom than he does truth and life that John has preached to him and even offered him. See, in the beginning stages, he feared John because John was a righteous and holy man. But you see what pride does, right? Pride leads to destruction. A haughty spirit goes before a fall. Instead of embracing repentance, instead of practicing repentance, instead of moving forward in faith and seeing Jesus Christ for who he is, instead of embracing the message of Jesus Christ that John the Baptist preaches, Herod's too busy building his own kingdom. And setting him, himself up as king. He ain't got time to talk about another king. Sounds a lot like daddy, don't it? Sounds a lot like daddy. You remember who I told you Herod Antipas was? He was the son of Herod the Great. Why, why did Herod the Great kill so many babies? Because he had heard about this other king, this Jesus who was coming. And he was afraid of losing what? His own kingdom. That he had built for himself and built for his family. See, at first, Herod Antipas, he feared John because he was righteous and holy. But now he was at a place where he no longer feared John. Guess who he feared? Guess who he feared? He feared his stepdaughter slash niece. He he feared the military commanders and the high officials and all of these leading men that had gathered for his birthday party. It it reminds me of another passage of Scripture. Listen to this. You know what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28? Very powerful. Listen to this. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell. It reminds me of another proverb. Proverb 29 verse 25 says this, The fear of man will prove to be a snare. In the Old Testament, when that word snare is used, do you know what it means? It means a death trap. That's what it means. It's a death trap. So when you see the word snare in the Old Testament, think death, because that's what it means. So listen to Proverbs 29, 25. Fear of man will prove to be a snare. It is death. But whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Herod chose pride. Over piousness. You might say, well, what does that mean, pious? What does piousness mean? That means to surrender to divine, right? Surrender to, that means choosing godliness. That means choosing righteousness. That means choosing holiness. That means humbly submitting to it. Living it out. And and so Herod chose pride. He chose to live for self rather than live for the Savior. 
And because of that, he became fearful of man. And Jesus has said all along, don't, don't fear a man who can kill your body but can't kill your soul. You need to fear the one, right? The one who can destroy both your body and your soul in hell. So the end of the story is simply this. Herod had John the Baptist beheaded. He made a choice. He made a choice to surrender to his own kingdom rather than the kingdom of God. He, he made a choice to reject the kingdom of God and embrace his own kingdom. I'm going to tell you something. And I said this before, pride goes before destruction. Don't, don't miss this because you can look at this and say, poor old John the Baptist. I'm going to tell you something. John the Baptist was right where he needed to be, right where he wanted to be, and right where God had him. Did you hear me? He was right where he needed to be. He was right where he wanted to be. Now, did he have doubts? <laughs> did he have a misunderstanding? Uh, yeah, go, go read the other Gospels and see what he thought about it. Hey, Jesus, are you really, are you really the one that I've been preaching about? Because if you are, uh, I'm over here. Yeah, oh, don't, 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 don't miss this now. John the Baptist struggled with it, but I'm going to tell you something. The Bible says he kept on. He kept on preaching the same message. Didn't matter where he was, right? What was he preaching? He was preaching a message of, hey, Herod, you have lived in sinfulness. You're still living in sinfulness. You need to repent. I'm going to tell you something. He was right where he needed to be, right where he wanted to be, and right where God had him. But I'm going to tell you this. This was not destruction for John the Baptist. It might look that way from the world's eyes, right? From an earthly perspective, it might look like death, but I'm going to tell you something. In that moment, John the Baptist was more alive than he had ever been one walking on this earth. You want to know why? Because he embraced the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of man. John the Baptist wasn't building a kingdom for himself. He was building upon the kingdom of God laid by the foundation who was and is and always will be Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ came, what did John the Baptist say? Him, right? I can just see him, right? I bet he had a big old hand, big old long finger. I just, that's, what I, that's what I picture. That's, my, that's, in my, that's in Jeff chapter 2. I like to write some stuff down in my notes, right? I just believe John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus, he stuck his hand out and said, Him! He's the one! Right? Look at Him! He is the one! This is the kingdom of God! John the Baptist never stopped preaching that message. I believe he never stopped preaching that message until the executioner swung the blade. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This was not a time of destruction for John the Baptist, but this was a time of destruction for Herod. Because I'm going to tell you something. From what we see biblically, from what we see historically, is that Herod kept on serving, right? Kept on being the king, uh, self-king, if you want to call it that, tetrarch of Galilee. He kept on doing what he did. We never see repentance in his life. We never see repentance in his life. We, we have no indication that he ever embraced Jesus Christ as the Messiah. Now, what he thought about Jesus Christ was, this is John the Baptist come back from the dead, and he's come back to judge me. No, it was Jesus. And Jesus didn't come to condemn you. He came to set you free. But you made a choice to embrace your kingdom rather than the kingdom that he was preaching. 
So the destruction was for Herod. Because I'm going to tell you something. Eventually, he did lose his earthly kingdom. But you know what's more important? What's more important is because he continued to hold on to his earthly kingdom, he lost the kingdom of God because he rejected Jesus Christ. And my personal belief is that Herod is spending an eternity, right? An eternity in a place called hell where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth and it will never end. See, he feared man who could kill the body but could do nothing to the soul and because of that he did not fear God, he did not fear Jesus, he did not fear the one who could destroy both body and soul in hell forever. It wasn't a sad story because of John. It's a sad story because Herod chose pride over piousness. He chose his kingdom rather than the kingdom of God. See, really, I, I, I have three things I want to say to you in closing. Number one is, if you're prideful, choose repentance today. Don't wait another second. If you have pride in your own heart, if you have pride that is manifesting itself in your home, in your workplace, in your church, in your community, choose repentance today. I'm going to tell you something. The first way to turn from pride is to recognize you have it. It's really one of the hardest steps. Because generally those who are very prideful, right, they, they've denied it in themselves so long that they can't see it anymore. Or that they don't want to hear it anymore from people who speak. So if you're prideful today, choose repentance right now. Choose it today before it is too late. I'm going to tell you something else. If you're building a man-made kingdom, choose repentance today. I'm I'm basically doing what John the Baptist did. Repent, repent, repent from pride. Repent repent from your man-made kingdom. You might say, Brother Jeff, what is a man-made kingdom? Well, I'll tell you something. You can easily know if you're building your own kingdom because it's all about you. It's not hard. You can tell if you're all about a man-made kingdom rather than the kingdom of God because a man-made kingdom is all about you. It's all about your wants, your wishes, your timeline. Remember what Jesus said? He, he said this. He, he said, I did not come to be served. I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. That's what Jesus said. To embrace the kingdom of God is to love God and to love people. To embrace the kingdom of God is to love God so much that you deny yourself and you take up the cross and you follow Jesus daily. And you meet the needs of others, even above your own. Choose repentance today. If you're prideful, choose to repent. If you're building a man-made kingdom, choose to repent. Here's the truth of the message today. Choose to surrender. Choose to surrender to Jesus today. Choose to accept Jesus today as your Lord and your Savior before it is too late. How do you do that? You do it first and foremost through humble repentance. The Holy Spirit of God begins to stir in your heart, stir in your mind. The Holy Spirit of God, listen to me, the Holy Spirit of God will remind you and help you recognize your sinfulness, but the Holy Spirit of God doesn't do that so that you will stay in guilt. The Holy Spirit of God wants you to recognize it, take ownership of it, but turn from it to this thing called repentance. 
turn from sin and self to God. Why? Because God sent Jesus. He sent Jesus to live for you, die for you, to rise up from the grave so that you might have forgiveness and freedom from the penalty and the bondage of sin. He sent Jesus to live for you, die for you, raise from the grave for you so that you might have life and life to the full. And I'm going to tell you something. Life is all about the kingdom of God. It is never about the kingdom of man. The kingdom of man will always lead to death. There's been a bunch of people that died and left a lot of money in the bank. There's been a bunch of people who have died, right? And they got their names written on all kinds of plaques and all kinds of trophies. I'm going to tell you something. None of that went to where they went. None of it. None of it. Reputation, status, popularity, position, pictures. I, I, I love to run. You know this about me. I love, I love to run. I'm a runner. And... Uh, I enjoy it, believe it or not. Some people are like, something's wrong with you, boy. I just love it. And uh, sometimes when I run, I run in, in races, and, and you know, there's a lot of people running, and it, and it might look like, oh, I'm running against him, or I'm running against her, or I'm running against them. I'm going to just tell you something. I, I'm running against me. And you know, some of these races, maybe I finish in the top three and they give me this big medal. I've even got some of them in my office. I got some at my house. I'm going to tell you something. When I die, <laughs> who cares about them medals? Because I'm going to tell you something. Whoever the next pastor is, he'll take them medals off the wall and throw them in the trash if my wife hadn't already done it. My mom could probably tell you I got boxes of trophies in her attic. From when I was that all-star, all-American baseball player in Little League that was going to play for the Dodgers one day. Yeah, right. I'm going to tell you something. We strive for so many things in this world. And before we know it, we're building our own kingdom. Before we know it, we're building our own kingdom. And, 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 and we could care less about the kingdom of God. We're so busy serving self that we can't serve others. starts with surrender. You have to surrender yourself to Jesus. And when you surrender yourself to Jesus, you recognize that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is Savior. He is Messiah. He is the Son of God and He is the only one who can save me from myself. He's the only one that can save me from my sin. He's the only one who can give me life full and eternal. He's the only one who can lead me to leave my man-made kingdom and be a part of the kingdom of God. And this is what I love. The kingdom of God is not just about what God is doing by himself. The kingdom of God is what he is doing in the lives of his children and allowing them to participate, right, in eternity. Thank God for the opportunity to preach the gospel. Thank God for the opportunity to share, right, encouragement and love of Jesus Christ with someone else. Thank God for the opportunity to serve food. Thank God for the opportunity to go out and clothe the, the ones who, who don't have clothes, feed the ones who don't have food. Thank God for the opportunity just to love people where they are without judgment and condemnation. God allows us to do that. That's what the kingdom of God is all about. And so today, if you're full of pride, repent. It's the only hope you have. His name is Jesus. If you're busy building your own kingdom, repent. That means stop. Turn from it and turn to God. 
Choose Jesus today. Surrender to Jesus today. Accept Jesus today. Right? Don't just think about it. What, what happened with Herod? Oh, he thought about what John was saying. It puzzled him. You know why it puzzled him? Because he grieved the Holy Spirit. He choked the Holy Spirit and he could not understand. Why? Because he chose pride. He rejected God. He rejected Jesus, which is why he couldn't understand what John was saying to him. He had made his choice. Not with his mind, but with his heart. Don't just think about what I've shared with you today. Allow it to saturate your heart and do something with it. Respond to it. Make a decision today. And I pray that it's the decision to embrace the kingdom of God rather than the kingdom of self, the kingdom of man. Because the kingdom of God leads to what? Life. Because it is truth. You know what the kingdom of man is? What did I say at the beginning? The kingdom of man, it's counterfeit. And guess what it leads to? Death. Death. Jesus is our only hope. John the Baptist knew that. John the Baptist preached it. Herod rejected it. And his eternity has been sealed because he rejected Jesus Christ. I pray that you've chosen Jesus already. That the Spirit won't leave you alone, won't leave you alone until you do repent and believe.